I'm Margaret Jo McCullen. And I'm Terry Rialto. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to TC and Jake on National Public Radio. Why don't we don't want to talk about it? We've got the combat to discuss. Oh. Um, but based on the success experience, I think that it, I have ideas. If you talk to those people, the editors of Modern Luxury, they're probably receptive. To what? Combat? Add you to the list. No. To oh, the you. power list. Not, oh. not me, but like if you're a radio host. Oh, just you, pitch it. You could get something done. Yeah, yeah. Top five market. Have them over to your house while you nosh on something. <laughs> no. Yeah. We don't do that here. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. So yeah, I don't know. If you, I, I don't think that's probably especially interesting to you, but Welcome if you in, do folks. want to use it, <laughs> then I guess that's the start. Um... Yeah, no, we, uh, we're continuing our, uh, our series. We've got at least one more person who's definitely down, and then anyone else that is hearing this and would like to join in, we want to hear about your experience. TC at it's just banter.com. Pretty worried about that third one. What do you mean? I don't know. You seem, like, super secretive about it. Well, it's just the kind of... It's just if I gave you, like, the elevator pitch, you'd be so excited. Okay. And I just want to have it as like a fun little surprise for you. That's fine. And like, it's not whenever, my mom. <laughs> whenever we all find out what it is, it's going to be so funny that I called it a fun little surprise. Okay. <laughs> but but you, all right. you'll get it. Um, but yeah, uh, we, uh, you know, just kind of going through the, uh, the, I just think everyone's life is interesting. Started this with uh, our episode on, uh, with uh, Kraft Cowan. And, uh, you know, just to, been trying to get into more of this stuff. And um, listener James, uh, who's been to, I've, I've certainly, once you said that you've been to the events, I do recall. Yeah. So you have a very I distinctive am. look to Thank you. Thank you, yeah. The, uh, uh, at least every Twilight. Yeah. yeah. At least every one. Half the off the records. I'll give, I'll give it the half. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, you know, very much. Thanks so this much for reaching out. Extremely excited. Thank um, you very much. So, yeah, you're... You know, subject matter uh, of interest was uh, PTSD based, and uh, with any of these things, like in order to even get to talking about PTSD, we got to ask like twenty other questions, right? Hundred percent ready. Um, so we were discussing this some before the, we started recording, but just I don't know if you just want to tell you know, yeah, where, uh, were you, where are you from? What was your upbringing like? How do we so, get to what's what's uh, age zero to eighteen look like? Absolutely, uh, zero to eighteen, uh, southeast Dallas area. Graduate of Seagoville High School, 02. So 9-11 was my senior year. Lined that up pretty well. Um, inside the Beltline Loop, but a very rural area. If you're not familiar with Southeast Dallas, it's an amazing part of town. and Pretty similar still. A lot of gravel pits. Uh, Southeast Dallas wastewater. Shingle Mountain. That's, you know, I, I know what you're, where you're talking, <laughs> but uh, more towards Seagoville. If you're familiar with the Seagoville area. Um yeah. There's some stuff inside the Dallas city limits that I had encountered uh, in the mayoral campaign that's insane. Absolutely. Uh, Southwest, too. Uh, like from a topography standpoint or just? Both. Both. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, like you can have like a, a mountainous ranch within the Dallas yeah. city limits if you want to. Yeah, probably, I think, yeah. You're familiar with Sam Ranch? Uh, I'm not. Okay. Sand Branch was on my bus route. That's the unincorporated area of Southeast Dallas where they don't have any running water or any running oh, sewage. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I rode uh, the bus through Sand Branch as a kid. Okay, wow. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting part of town. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I graduated um, 02, uh, like I said, 9-11 senior year. So I was in basic, you know, by the summer. Did that, um, did that make a big impact? I was an ROTC kid. Okay. I was definitely going. You guys brought that up yeah. last time. I was going to go. Um, you know, I went a little different route. I was in the National Guard, you know. So I don't know how many people you talked to in the National Guard, but I did that route to go to college and serve. Got to sign up a little bit earlier. So I actually signed up before I left high school. Um, got a little bit of, you know, extra time, a little credit in there. Do you have like a family military history or anything? Or Not just- really. No, I just, uh, I found ROTC as a freshman. I mean, I was into the normal stuff and it was cool to me, you know. Um, my dad was a truck driver, so I loved reading maps. And that was nice. one of the things they did in ROTC was like map reading to speed, like running orienteering is what they call it. I freaking loved it. And, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, just was good at Enjoyed it. So, yeah, I was going to do it anyway. I was going to do the military anyway. I um, actually got into a military, uh, New Mexico Military Institute. Got a year and a half of college. Um, like I said, O2 went to basic training. It was really weird. You know, we were already in Afghanistan, but you know, I should have probably caught on to some, some, some indicators. But, uh, you know, as an 18-year-old, everybody in the, the summer of O2 was talking about Iraq. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, what the F, man? You know, what's going on here? Yeah, so that was Put really that interesting. Put that out for me. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> where where right. is this at? <laughs> right. Yeah, so that was an interesting uh, interesting dynamic. Um, you know, like I said, did about a semester and a half of college. That really wasn't for me. Um, by 2004, back in the Dallas area, and uh, my guard unit, you know, there's some rumblings about activation, you know, stuff going on in Iraq. Obviously, 2004, things were looking pretty bad, if you remember. Um, the Sadr City uh, was that spring. You know, that was really like the turn of the war where it started to become more of an insurgency, you know, civilians uprising, I guess you could say. Yeah. So it was like, this is going to be different, you know. It was going to yeah. be the long the long haul. So by the summer of 04, I was activated. I was at Fort Hood, and uh, I was training, you know, preparation to be in Iraq. Um like I guess I just I I'm entirely ignorant on what the National Guard is and does. I got that on here too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so citizen soldiers, one week in a month, two weeks in a year, two weeks in the summer. Um, we have the exact same standard as the as the army. I was in the infantry, and uh, everything that I did uh, in that one week in a month, two weeks a year, it comes out to like forty something, less than fifty days a year. You have the same standard as everyone that does a 365, except we've got regular jobs. Most of us are students. And all of our gear, except maybe a weapons at home, you know, yeah. those kind of things. Drug um, test. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you learn how to time them pretty well. What do they, <laughs> they say? Somebody said that today on the radio. It's more of a, it's a stupidity test or sure. something. Yeah. Of course. Megan was asking me about uh, NBA players, and I, I didn't have answers about where that currently stands. I believe actually the CBA post COVID completely eliminated marijuana testing. Okay, there you go. I believe that's correct. Yeah, but even then, the NBA test was never. Yeah. Yeah, it was always pretty. Got Whitney Houston's brother though. That was the other thing I was telling her. Nikola Jokic, I believe, was. He's not Whitney Houston's brother. Oh. Uh, He played for the Nuggets, but he got popped for a marijuana test and never played again. Didn't know that. Yeah, wow. you need to watch more Whitney Houston documentaries. Yeah, maybe. maybe. So for those That's eighteen funny. months, though, between graduation and activation 04, it's 
The 40-day-a-year thing. Basically, yeah. yeah. I was going to college. I was actually going to military school. I went to yeah. the New Mexico in, Military in Institute. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be an officer. That was going to be my route. That was the impetus for college. You know, parents made the parents happy, you know, yeah. checked a lot of boxes with that. But it just, you know, wasn't for me. But just college spring. sucks that That's, much. You know, and then, and then you know. I, I, I feel that, brother. Also true. <laughs> I, uh, you yeah. know, and I, I go it's to. It's not like I finished. It's kind of a scam. Right. You know, I, I finished the summer and, you know, I went to the basic training this summer. So I didn't do the fall semester. <laughs> I finished the summer is not yeah, like that. <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I didn't go to school in the fall. I, go, I show up in January and I just got out of, you know, basic training, highest T possible, you know, yeah. best shape of my life. And I'm going to go to school, a military school, which is more like a prep school. A lot of those guys go on to the academies and things like that that and then there's also a, a high school there there's a lot of rich kids that you know rich kids that can't get you know, a make it in other schools have gotten kicked right. out so yeah see i was good i feel like i've heard of that because there's a high school went, there as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Very uh, there was excel kids who had been to, to new, new mexico military yep. Institute, I roswell think. new mexico but i did my one week in a month in las cruces which new mexico right. a&m and then juarez we didn't know three you could still go to juarez and that was a very regular uh Regular trip across the border, so uh, yes, to answer your question, long long way around. So, <laughs> so what happens in 04? Uh, Texas National Guard has their largest deployment of troops since World War II. Um, 3,600 of us is basically what went uh, to plan to go to Iraq. So um, that may, you know, that was it was primarily combat armed soldiers. So for example, like 3,600 men, or excuse me, 3,600 people total, about 3,300 <laughs> sure. of them were men, you know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of combat arms, which we were, uh, we were infantry guys, we were tankers, combat engineers, um, and cavalry guys, uh, went to Iraq. If you remember in 04, it was December of 04, there was people questioning Rumsfeld about uh, why don't we have armor? Why are Humvees? You know, why are yeah, we having that's right. So I was in Fort Hood during that, and then I was in Iraq in January. Um, did you have armor? No, we did not. <laughs> uh, this is why the Iceman had to wait on FedEx. Bingo. <laughs> Open top Humvees. Yeah. Their own turrets. Yep. I got pictures. This, right? uh, this is what you've been dreaming of, yeah. right? It's a real thing. It that is what. Uh, whatever, man. Everyone wants to shit on Gen Kill. Just no one the, wants to shit on it. Got nothing to get. It's a real say. thing. There were actually, as he's telling you, people there like ordering their own stuff, like it's crazy. to be delivered by USPS over there. I've Anyways. got a, I've got a picture. I've got a picture, and it's me with a flat Stanley. You guys have gotten flat Stanley. If you haven't yeah, got, yeah. if you've gotten flat Stanley yet, you will soon. So I'm holding a flat Stanley <laughs> in a Humvee turret. <laughs> And you'll notice that there's nothing around my body, so I'm pretty much exposed from the waist up. That was probably within the first two months of us being in country, and then Jesus we just Christ. rat fucked whatever we could, stole, begged, borrowed, and they call them teacups. So around your Humvee turrets, you put up as much armor as you can. And let's see, so within the first by April, I took rounds into that teacup. So if <clears> you know. If it wouldn't have been there, who, who knows? I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those things. So yeah. for the timeline, you know, it's like I remember like the malice of the palace. I'm sitting in the chow hall, you know, sitting, I would sit, love. sitting in the chow hall at Fort Hood, sitting, you know, I hear the I hear the armor question. I watched the uh, 05 Rose Bowl at a chow hall in Kuwait. Beautiful. The, the 06 Rose How Bowl. How close were you to uh, Kirkut? Iraq, where uh, stay they, safe. Yeah, they yeah they, they <laughs> called into the Rose safe. Bowl. 
Definitely not. Those uh, <laughs> the bases in Iraq, man. We could we could do a whole episode about the bases in Iraq, man. That was uh, that was something else. Um, Are so, they yeah. like uh, physical buildings? A lot of them were. So at the time that I was there, um, your big bases. I was at um, I was at Talil Air Base. It was in the southern Nazaria uh, from Generation Kill. That was the yep. bridge scene. So I was right outside of that city. Um, First time I was there, I was there almost all of 05. I was basically there from January 05 to December of 05. Um, probably 60% of that mission was, 60% of the time there I was doing a force protection mission. So we would uh, roll out in Humvees, two Humvees, roughly six guys, maybe a medic, maybe an interpreter with us. And we were like four, we were the police of the area. We had about five or 10 miles of highway, handful of little villages, and just a tiny sliver of Nazaria of that city. Um, and that was what we, we patrolled, you know, it was, you know, patrol is what they say, you know, drive around until somebody else with you, you know, um, not a lot of action in that part of the country. If I'm just being honest, it was very, you know, it was very quiet. Um, if anything, we worried about the Iraqi police more than anything. Always a weird thing. The, you know, when reporting how I, like, I understand the, certainly the instinct to be like, Unfortunately, there wasn't a bunch of action, yeah. but like also, you know, I don't know. Humans are pretty hardwired to want to live. Exactly. Uh, I'd prefer to not have any action at all. Right, right. The The biggest thing that we encountered there was indirect uh, in fire. You know, they'd fire rockets into the base and then we would try to go out and look for those rockets. Maybe who shot them, where they come from. But more than once, we found the same type of rockets in the possession of the Iraqi police. You know, and there's always a story. Where did this come from? This or that. Uh, one time we found a site, a launch site where they had launched into our base and they wanted to take those, the, there was a couple that had not fired, you know, a couple did, a couple didn't. They wanted to take those Can back. Can get our shit back? Can we get those? Yeah. Exactly <laughs> what it felt like. It's exactly what it felt like. <laughs> so yeah. Just, I can give this one to work. Yeah. <laughs> you give me another chance. Yeah. Give me, a, give me a second chance. So yeah, there's definitely, you know, definitely some of that stuff, but. How was you your know. experience with the interpreters? You know, the, in general. the interpreters in general were just like us. If I could tell, you know, if I, if I could tell anybody, they were a lot like us. They're like regular dudes because of my, my, like I said, in 05 was really like, you know, speak some language, some of the language and all the customs the cultures and things like that. But then I run, I meet these interpreters and they're like, isn't it, you know, isn't it a holiday? I'm like, eh, like that, you know, they're not, they're not as interested. It's, you know, you're casual Christian in, in America, you know, they were yeah. Uh, yeah. the same way about their, about their faith or, or not at all. You know, they were um, very much just wanting to earn a living. Yeah. You know? I mean, the country kind of was destroyed. The exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, uh, impossible to like sum up any country or like, you know, what's life like? You know, yeah. that's a big question. Man. And it, you just think about the stories they could tell over here. Like, if you just put fucking, you that's know, true. televangelists and are like, this is what Americans watch. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I was like, what fucking crazy hyper-religious country is that one and obviously it's been almost 20 years now but the bedouins in southern iraq still lived i mean what's they're the christian right well yeah. no it's just what's different from now versus 100 years ago or thousand years ago oh okay they're, they're legitimately okay. living in tents i mean they, yeah. they roam the desert with their herds of cattle i mean that's their life it's you know you know, not I, just you know i can't in fathom this it, man momentous week of momentous weeks <laughs> you do wonder if uh, Ted would say they've got it better than we would. Okay. Kaczynski. 
Well, yeah, of course. Had to be mentioned at some point <laughs> the, uh, this week. Couldn't go. Acclaimed writer of industrial society in its future. That's my uh, bio for him. So when did uh, you get home? Got home in, uh, Je- in December of 05. Did about, you know, not quite 12 months, but almost almost 12 months. Um, ended up ended up about the uh, a little bit in the end of that doing convoys, convoy security. Um, at one point in time was up there with the crab fishermen is the most dangerous job in the world. And it's absolute shit, man. It's just, it's horrible. Where it's was one that? Of those, all over Iraq. So oh, okay. we would, we would take in 05, um, we would take, we would take 30, uh, 18 wheelers and three Humvees. So it was a 10 to one ratio. And you would drive up and down the highway from one base to another. And, Hopefully not get it. Hopefully not get attacked. Hopefully no one shoots at you. Hopefully there's not a roadside bomb. Get there as fast and as safe as possible. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's how I ended up that tour. Um, Were there any memories that stood out? Oh five. Yeah, I was there in. Uh, I told you I got there in January. If you remember the first first election, you remember the red fingers. Everyone was holding up the the ink dipped oh, yeah. maroon fingers. That was at the end of January in 05, and I had been in country less than a month. Um, and we worked an election site with, if, if it was two Humvees and there were six or eight of us, it was four Humvees and double that, but, and thousands, hundreds of, of, yeah. thousands, thousands, Damn. insane amount of people coming to the polling sites. And, you know, I'm three weeks in, into, into Iraq and I'm standing, you know, in that Humvee, just looking at, God damn, what man. am I looking at? I'm just looking at a thousand people that all look the same. This is freedom. Look just like they want to vote. You know, I'm 20 years old. What am I doing here? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pure insanity. That was one, you know, uh, the first casualty that I saw was a civilian because, and it was a casualty. I said, because we happened to happen to have a medic with us at the time. It was a fairly simple rollover on the highway one car accident but the husband didn't want us to touch his wife and uh i mean we just watched basically you know so that was pretty tough because Shit. we can do something let us try let's try something let's at least try and he was very adamant that he did not want us around his spouse so jesus fucking christ yeah it was pretty rough man and i imagine that's that that's that disposition is somewhat common like from the outside army, army meaning armed forces, like yeah, yeah, I would think so. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know. You get plenty of guys over here that are like don't fucking talk to my wife. <laughs> Is this man bothering you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not resuscitate. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, so uh, twelve months total. Come home. Come home, yeah. Back to the back to the real world. Did like, you think you were uh, like uh, on tap for redeployment, or um, at that point? So we've been talking about 06, starting 06. I had um, at least two more years on a contract, so possibility, yeah, yeah possibilities there. Did obviously. you uh, surprise your wife at a baseball game? I definitely, <laughs> had, it was a single single soldier, single person at that time, and I bought a I bought a uh, I bought a fifty nugget tray with my roommate at the Colleen yeah. Mall. So. <laughs> That was uh, that was the first order of business. They need uh, to uh, do like big reveals for soldiers that <laughs> yeah, buy nuggets. Don't, don't really yeah. have anyone, exactly. you know, like it. But I'm here, you know, like give them an Xbox or something. Yeah, yeah with a bunch of strangers cheering. No, I, I did what every Dallasite does. I moved to Addison, right? That's what we're all supposed of to do. Of course, yeah. <laughs> That's right. back from wars, you moved to Addison. Oh, so north and Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so you're. 
like because it's National Guard, you just go from fighting, like you know, protecting convoys in Iraq to living in Addison. Like, Basically, I had about a month. I had about a month off. I took I took two weeks. I took two weeks in Europe. Went to Amsterdam. Did That's the nice. did the damn thing. Uh, a friend I served with was from Spain. Um, outside of Barcelona, he said, I'm gonna go see my folks. You wanna come with me? Of course. So I wanna say I got home before Is he like Christmas. part of Spain's military? No, he was um, dual citizenship. I wanna say parents are Spanish and he was born here, possibly. Okay. Yeah, but he was a, sure. he was a US citizen and you know, you know, right. soldier, but his parents were there. Yeah, that's what it was. His parents were there. He hadn't seen his parents for a while, you know. I'm gonna go back and got the invite. So yeah, that was Tuck. really cool. Um yeah, and then back to the warehouse. I was uh you know, driving a forklift before, I think I went back to something similar. Um, and then I wrote it down because I had to look it up. I was in the break room, night shift. I was probably, you know, probably just got uh, done watching Chappelle. The uh, 07, January of 07 was Bush's surge speech. Surge speech. I guess it was a State of the Union, possibly. And I had orders by April. I think I was activated by April. Really? Yeah. I think I was I was gone in April, so I was activated in March. Yeah. That kind of so. stuff. So, like, just whenever <laughs> yeah. your brother was in it, like, yeah. the stuff where you're, like, watching political speeches being, <laughs> yeah, like, it's real. this is very determinative. It's yeah. Because yeah. he had, like, a long period where, like, he knew he was going to be sent, but, like, it's not yet. Right. And, like, but, you know, based on what the guy on TV says, yeah, it's going to change it quite a bit. Well, I mean, it's obviously like a much lighter version of it, but I mean, think about like the draft. Yeah. Dude, like we literally had a period in this country where people were like looking at the television like it was the lottery oh, to yeah. decide if they were a 50% chance of dying or not. Yeah. Well, I can tell you how we got out of the draft and that's these multiple deployments because I served. So I, I activated 04 and 05, 07 and 08, and I absolutely served with four people. I was, I was talking to this someone today actually, and we named four people that were in the invasion of Iraq 03 or Afghanistan, so prior to 03 even, and then deployed with us in five, and then, or, or six, there was two different, there was an Iraq and an Afghanistan deployment in our in our uh, division, um, got on one of those, and then we're back again in 07, 08, so we're showing up 07 for their third time. You know, so that was, I was on my second, but there were definitely people yeah. on their third. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's why there's no direct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, watch the, uh, watch the, uh, watch the surge speech, um, mobilized in, uh, Mississippi, right outside of Hattiesburg, um, Camp Shelby, uh, spent mm, maybe two months, I guess. Yeah. Cause I was in, uh, I was back, we were back in country by August. Yeah. Cause that's lying that lined out. So, uh, by that time did get married and, um, before I left, found out, Wife at the time was pregnant. Whoa. And we were literally, we were heading down to like get on the plane. You know, I had seen her a month or two. I mean, we've done all this math, no jokes. So we were doing all, you know, and I'm like, goodness, you know, weekend off, had a weekend off in training and like that was the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I find out, you know, right at the beginning of like showing up, man, I'm going to be, you know, got a little one on the way. So ended up working out to where I was, uh, I did the entire nine months. I was only in country nine months that time. Got to come home a little bit early, see my son be born. So, um, probably August ish of 07. You were saying that was like, uh, like hours, right? Like 
It was within three days. Yeah, I went from, from like a mission. I went from a mission plane. in Iraq to like my son being born probably Damn, within three to four insane. days. Yeah. Could yeah. you, Matt, like just the, the standing in the fucking hospital room is nuts, like by its alone. But yeah, if, like, right. Whenever you were at like Texadelphia the day before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you were. I yeah. was stepping off. Of I it. remember having an idea, and at this point, I was a I was a mission. I was a convoy commander at this time. I was a sergeant by this time, and I was leading missions. And I remember taking a mission out. This is going to be my last one. You know, this is going to be my last one. When I come back, I'm going to have like a period. If this of were time. a movie, that's the tough. One. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, famous last words, right? Um, and I uh, and I get back, and I'm doing my normal checking stuff, and like, hey, you're 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 flights moved up you're leaving in like four or five hours like when i thought i had 24 hours or something yeah. to that extent so i'm shedding everything and i've like literally got you know ammunition on me and i dumped all my stuff and i had a box that i like i just need to take this to the on-base post office mail it to the states and i remember ripping my gear off and dumping it in that box so whenever the box you know i beat the box clearly by weeks but the box finally shows up with customs tape i'd missed some rounds because oh, i was in such God. a hurry i was in such a hurry my <laughs> magazines were in like this chest rig and I was yanking everything out, and there were definitely some loose rounds. Threw that in the box and went through customs, and they just, you know, they tore through all my stuff. Nothing but those. A honest mistake. I'm on the way home, but yeah. Um, but 07 and 08 was uh, strictly convoys. It did nothing but stay on the road the entire oh, time. Shit. And uh, that sounds much tougher than the first one. You know, the first one was a, we got to interact with the populace, drank a lot of chai tea, ate a lot of lamb and rice. It was awesome. You know, saw a lot of kids. Um, Everybody at home was mailing stuff, you know, let's uh, give this to the kids, here's some candy, clothes, all that kind of stuff. Second mission, we worked almost exclusively at night, and all we were doing is just running up and down the highways, you know, trying not to get blown up. Like, I just imagine driving an 18-wheeler sucks so much anyways, but, like, that's just with every, like, not even entering into it. That like Like, to do a job that's, like, so, like, tedious and menial – uh, but also like you could die doing it at any moment. I don't, it kind of sounds like the worst thing you could possibly do. Man, it really, and I really felt bad because you hear about KBR Halliburton, obviously those guys were in country. They had a lot of armored 18 wheelers, a lot of armored tractor trailers, pretty decent equipment. There was almost always a tow truck of some kind. If they broke down, got damaged, someone's going to hook up to them and pull them out. They're also what they called third country nationals, TCNs in Iraq. And they were, um, could be Kuwaitis, Turks, Filipino, whatever. And they're driving um, local trucks and they're their own trucks. I mean, it, you know, obviously look different than what we have here, but no armor, no weapons, no body armor, no helmet. I mean, these are just guys in clothes. I mean, they're, you know, they're driving and, and unfortunately, you know, they were the ones that got messed up. Yeah, the most because there's nothing to protect them, you know. And a Halliburton truck gets hit, got a little bit of armor there, you know. So these guys, they were, you know, driving around in our car, no different than than the cars we Damn. have here. Um, so yeah, that was that was tough dealing with those folks. And got a language barrier there also. Um, but the second time around, things had scaled up like massively, you know, doubled. Whereas you know we were driving around escorting a convoy with maybe three Humvees, we've doubled that now. You know, we're taking six eight nine humvees we've probably got some type of fire truck to put out a to put out a fire if there's a, a fire in a cab do we need to get somebody out um there's enough extinguishing fluid to hopefully get somebody out of the cab of vehicle we've got an entirely dedicated wrecker a military you know heavy duty wrecker to hook up to any vehicle we're t we've got in our 30 or 40 vehicle convoy and can pull it out of uh pull it down the road 
Um, much better armor by 07 and 08. They'd squared a lot of that away. So now it's a um, business. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. And that's, that's what really fucking made me sick, man. I just, uh, you know, really turned me, as they say, you know, uh, especially you know, I got to kind of see how the sausage was made. You know, like I said, I was a sergeant. Had a secret clearance. I was the uh, I was the crypto specialist. So radio, um, military radios have what's called encryption. Um, the device would be called an ANCD. It looks like a very rudimentary like laptop where it just folds up, but maybe has two dozen buttons, and that carries code inside of it. You have to have a clearance. You have to go to the combo shop once a week, get it loaded up, um, things like that. I was responsible for that, and I kept all the radios. Um, in sync, in time, everybody talks to everybody. Most vehicles all have two radios, one to talk to each other. And then um, somebody's talking to different nets as you're moving through the country. You're, uh, you're talking to what we call landowners. So like I was force protection, that first tour, um, convoys would check in, hey, we're passing through your area, things of that nature. Um, I got assigned to the 101st Airborne Division, my second deployment. Um, if you've seen the Screaming Eagle, like a Band of Brothers, the Patch and Band of Brothers, it's yeah. an eagle. That's yeah. the 101st Airborne Division. Their landowners, right outside the base we lived on, they had they were responsible for uh, for that that uh, area, and they were an artillery unit, artillery balls. So they were the balls of the eagle. And they were Balls, Maine. That was their call sign was Balls, Maine. So you had to check in with Balls, Maine. <laughs> Every time you got to a certain point was uh, checking with Balls, Maine. This is Avenger 2-8, Balls, Maine. So, yeah. Uh, There's nothing more voice. erotic about the military at all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, one of the things I did, you know, and, and I tell people this, like, when I try to talk about PTSD and, like, why, you know, why things are the way they are, why your brain's wired the way it is, is because like going out on those missions, like regardless of like what you'd had going on the day before that day, you know, there's always that like roller coaster effect is what I call it. The climb of the roller coaster. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. The pit. Imagine that. Just stays there. Hours, hours and hours and hours and hours, you know, and that just can't tell me that's not fucking with our brain chemistry. You of know course. what I mean? Especially at, you know, age 20 to 24. So, yeah. 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 And I, I don't know, you know, like on the one hand, there is a little bit of me that's surprised that we aren't adapted to this better because I do imagine that like for most of human history, you know, like during like the stuff where they like didn't know how to fucking write anything down. Uh, like I, I, I envision that their life is just fucking, you know, tiger could attack you at any time. So you'd think that you'd be, you know, something in the DNA prepared for this, but I don't know. It sure doesn't seem like there is. And so that, that makes me think, like, was it real? You know, like, every once in a while you'd see a tiger, but, like, we really kind of got this handled. Yeah. Whereas the idea of, like, you know, fucking improvised explosive devices several hundred years off from being invented. Like, the shit that you're actually going up against is fucking gnarly in a way that, like, you know, the occasional bear isn't going to be. When I can tell I can say one thing, too, and, like, that's... Years of therapy, guys. I mean, I'm like a dozen years into this journey now. So you've never seen the tiger, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what that is. And until you see the tiger, until you've been there, like, you just, you don't know. You can't, you can't prepare. I mean, there's no amount, you know. The training is weird because I tell people, like, the first time I got shot at, like, your body doesn't, you, you're always going to reject it. Because the first time I got shot at, there was a, there was a split second, and I don't even want to say one second, 
there's a split second because the first thing in my mind was like, who has fireworks in Iraq? <laughs> that was the first <laughs> thought in my nuts. mind. And I'm like, because oh. I'm just standing there and I'm in Nazaria. You know, I got a four-story building on one side and I got the Euphrates River on the other. And it's the middle of the night. It's the middle, you know, 2, 3 a.m. And I know there's people in this alley. I see there's a guy in this alley. Like, he shouldn't be out. What are you doing? I'm watching someone. And then, you know, the pop of rounds on the Humvee on the ground reminded me of like black hats. And I, yeah. it's just a split second. And then, you know, then the training kicks in and you do, you know, you, it takes over, you know, things happen. But like, I'm, I tell everybody that was the first time it was like the spring of 05. And the first thing in my mind was like, I didn't know they had fireworks. <laughs> And it's just like, you know, until you see it, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the best way. I when can was explain. their Independence Day? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's March. Uh, whatever lived in Northwest Dallas, especially, we did a lot of firework or gunshot playing. So I could see, I, yeah. I, I, uh, I feel like I lost most of the time. Oh, yeah. So uh, you kind of like teased it there a little bit when it comes to like PTSD stuff. Like, you knew, did you, were you aware that you're, brain chemistry or that your your disposition was being affected while you were deployed? No, I don't think anything really. At the time, I mean, you're so young, especially, you know, when you're in and you're still going. And a lot of people, that's their job. And you come home and you do it again. And you come home and you do it again. Um, no, I didn't. It was years later, you know, probably I didn't really enter therapy till like 2010. I got out of the Army in 08, and I probably didn't enter therapy of, of both kinds, group and individual, probably uh, individual, probably in like the 2010. And then about a year or so later, started to get into like the group group settings and things like that. But yeah, it was, um, it took some time. And I mean, it took those around me, I mean, rock bottom, you know, I mean, I got a dark period, you know, definitely have, sure. have some, you know, periods of my life that I've greatly greatly regret you know go a lot longer than i'd like to admit but uh yeah it just it, it was not it was not of that apparent to me it, you know yeah it, it took me a while to get there so how did you get there it just i say like the light bulb moment like when you say all right you've got ptsd you're dealing with these things you know um a lot of people say things like you're waiting for this light where i had this light bulb moment and i never had that and I've done a lot of outside the box therapies and I've done, you know, physical, uh, you know, physically invasive things, you know, and uh, I think it's a, it, it took me learning like the, about the balance. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of smart therapy. Uh, I have. As an, like an alternative to NANA. So yeah. I'm active in, a, I'm active in a smart group. And one of the things that smart is like. What is NANA? Uh, NANA. Okay, okay, I guess yeah. smart is an alternative. Smart okay. is, a, is a, yeah, not as God based. No, none at all. Yeah. And then, and then no addiction, no, you know, I mean, there's no uh, abstinence. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter, you know. But I um, spent 70 days in that facility, and that's where I was introduced to smart. And when you smart, say no abstinence, you mean like the, they're with smart. Just, yeah, but the, like they're they're saying like uh, you know we're teaching you how to drink more reasonably, not stop smart drinking. believes in moderation and balance as opposed to abstinence. If that makes sense, that's tight. Yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I gravitate. Yeah, that's why I gravitated toward. You know, there's uh, Bishop Arts every Wednesday at noon. I'm there, so uh, they because uh, I, I do feel like that stuff. It's like I just all of it serves a purpose. Like it, it's trying to do something. And it can help you do it to some extent. Like drugs are a tool. Yeah. to deal with these things and like it's it's not a great tool there's a lot of better tool you know right like on. therapy stuff you're talking about you Absolutely. probably know much better than i do well, but that, like it is still a tool and like you know if it it does something like 
when I was lucky, you know, I, I entered the, the VA system as soon as I got out. Uh, I, had, I had a good friend not with us anymore, old timer, tell me, you're getting out, you need to do these things, X, Y, and Z. And I was, in, you know, down on Lancaster Road, you know, summer of 08 when I got back. And I've been in the VA system ever since. It's gone through some, you know, there was a period in the VA system where they were just like pushing a lot of meds and things like that. There's just not enough groups. There's not enough therapists. There's not enough of anything. So meds are easy. And uh, they did a lot of that the wrong way in that time frame, especially like with our group and benzos. I'm sure you've heard a lot about, you know, a lot about those stories. Um, but but having the balance, I guess, Jake, kind of goes back to your question is like I, I didn't really understand what was wrong with me until like I put all these pieces together. Cause I was really big about just driving on, driving on, driving on, sure. um, you know, worked a lot, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, provide for the family, coach the teams, do the pickups, do the drop-offs. Um, and that's just not, you know, you gotta take care of yourself. You gotta put your mask on first, you know? I mean, a lot of people don't, uh, especially men, you know, we don't realize that. Of and course. It, um, it takes those rock bottom moments, you know what I'm saying? I've definitely, you know, I've got a suicide attempt, you know, just, you know, being real, uh, drank too much, had a, a very, you know, very bad period of, of, of drinking too much and uh, not there now. I mean, it's decade, you know, decade in the past and That's couldn't be better man. for it, man. I mean, you know, married to the love of my life. I mean, she's an amazing woman, saved my life 100%. Um, getting to do it over again, you know, my, uh, my son, that I spoke of was in my first marriage and I missed a lot of his childhood in that dark period. And now I got two little girls, I'm doing it all over again. And it's incredible, man. I'm loving every minute of it. So uh, it takes a long road to get there. I don't know if that answered your question, you know? No, it does. That's great. It does. Uh, what sort of like, uh, you, you mentioned invasive. Did you get, uh, did you get fucked in the butt? <laughs> For therapy, like what? What are we talking as far as? I don't as, know, but you know, let's let me have the number of your guy. Maybe it's, maybe we can try. <laughs> so maybe that's you, the light bulb I'm missing. You've tried some. Uh, I got the best butt fucking guy outside the box stuff. Or yeah, so in 2012, I had something uh, called a stellate ganglion block done, and it was a uh, doctor in Chicago did it, and um, the uh, the the belief is that it it, it it does something as a reset in your nervous system. It, it has to do, you know, they could, basically it's a shot in your neck, into your spine. Um, I'm not going to say it did a lot for me. Um, really? Yeah, just, you know, I, again, maybe going back to the balance, I was looking for that light bulb, um, done an ayahuasca retreat. I wrote you about that several years ago. Uh, probably 2017, I wrote it down. 2017, yeah, I did ayahuasca in 2017. Um that was a trip. No, I did it in Kentucky. Of course. <laughs> the Peru of America. <laughs> yeah. Dude, traveling to Kentucky uh, to take ayahuasca dude, is fucking nuts. It was an adventure, <laughs> my friend. All right. I, I want to hear a lot about both of those, but let's not. Like, we got time. We got a time straight. Where do you hear about Kentucky? Man, I don't know. I honestly don't know. The 2017, um, it might have been either, it might have been something that I looked up or my wife. I know what it was. I was definitely not going to Peru. <laughs> I mean, that's part of it. I was yeah. probably just looking up ayahuasca in America, to be honest. Like, with if you. I'm being totally yeah. honest with you, like, I'm not going to Peru. I'm not going to Kentucky. Okay, well, I, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think there's some there's some local options now. I think there's some, Dude, the, I think there's some local options. I want so bad for Tom Segura to tell us we, the he the guy he was describing is just like comes to your house like has a beautiful experience ready at the house. That sounds perfect. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal. I'd recommend nature. I'd recommend nature for sure. That was but yeah. Uh, how did uh, you know? Ayahuasca, you fly to Kentucky? No, uh, I. Yeah, can you? A, is it, they're, they're no, no I know you can. I'd say did, did no. He, I'm asking. Well, can you? Yeah, so Louisville's got an airport. Okay, so. it's a Native American church. Was a Native American church, and I don't think they're the shaman's no longer with us. He passed maybe a year or so ago. I got an email, so I don't really know their status. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't really know. regret to inform you. Don't think he yeah. made it through COVID. Possibly. Are you are you on a like a, a list from them where you hear from every once possibly, in a while? Possibly, yeah. Okay. Possibly, okay. I might see on a recurring email list. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't know if like you hadn't heard from them in years, and they were like, oh, no, yeah, they definitely no. They've been he died. They they're alive and kicking. Uh, I know this is tough. up until yeah, right up until. They were they were definitely active. Okay. So. So yeah, what what you know? I don't, what was that day like? What was your, your yeah, ayahuasca. ayahuasca experience? So yeah. I would I would tell. I, was, I did a two day I did a two day journey. They call it journey, and I think that they try to like maybe low dose you the first day, just to because there are a lot of people throwing up, vomiting. I was probably yeah. there with a half dozen other people. I want to say another PTSD, and then. Like some maybe some heroin or meth something. It was mostly addicts. Um, mm-hmm. Was the uh, addiction was what they were what they were there to try to overcome. But I want to say the first night was not. I mean maybe like low dose LSD or something. Like maybe a little bit of wavy lines or something. Mm-hmm. But the next night, I mean, I was in another dimension. I mean, there's something else out there, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> there's something else out there. Fucking shit, man. Dude, I'm telling you. I want to go to Kentucky. <laughs> And, uh, I want to meet God in Kentucky. She's real. I can tell you that. <laughs> How long? So that's the thing. I felt like it was probably in like the 20 to 30 minute, you know, I don't know. Excuse me. I thought it was in like two to three hours. I felt like this was forever. A couple and it was probably like 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. And then, and then the person next to me, I was, I remember telling him, I said, uh, man, I, said, I hope I didn't disturb you. I, like, I just felt like I was thrashing. Like I felt like I was just violently thrashing it's like i didn't see you move i thought you were asleep but like, yeah. i felt like i was that's leaving nuts. i left my body i mean that's exactly what it was so were so. you like seeing what were you seeing um if you, you press your hands your eyes and you see the geometric yeah yeah, yeah. just as far as you can see i like used vast, to be real into that as vast, a kid. Yeah. yeah that's the real closest hard. that i can get to it but you definitely feel the presence and it's definitely feminine and it's you know like someone's trying to show you something like that's what i kept feeling like i was being pulled come look at this there's something else here there's more let me show you what else there is and i just i i don't know if it was like i couldn't release on my own or i'm just you know tap tap putting my toe in the water, tapping on the door. Yeah, there's something else. Is it like there. a guided at all? Somewhat guided. Um, there was more of uh, music, more like f- the Native American flute music and things yeah. like that. No smoke, no tobacco, low lights, you know, just just vibe music, you know, quiet, things I've like that. I've heard that's good to like kind of keep you, like that that's an intentional choice to sort of like, keep you grounded somewhat absolutely like there's have, rhythm to it yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. that the, the there's something going on with your auditory senses that's interacting with the drug that it's productive if you've right. got like a steady beat yeah i believe that absolutely yeah the um 
the other thing too is like it's so it's so different for everyone because yeah. I think everyone that was there had entirely different experiences. I mean, everyone had a different experience. So, you know, who's to say? <laughs> yeah, and I, I think like when you were talking about like light bulb type moment, like I've had therapists tell me that, you know, like psychedelics are gaining um, traction and popularity, you know, like as far as being accepted, like in the, you know, actual medical community, but they're gaining a lot it's, of traction it, it, you in know, this household. I, I feel like, thank you. <laughs> I feel like ketamine is on this uh, same wave. You have to have some, like, well, they're going to say that you have to have someone with you. Right. Like to help. You can't just like get fucked up. Yeah. And you should pay them and it should be me. Yeah. <laughs> or you should pay them and it should be a drug company. Well, I, yeah, which yeah. is what it will be. I've, yeah. but, I've said it in other groups and I hope that it's true. I really think that it is. Like, we're going to be the gateway, the veteran culture. Like, there's a lot of testing for this. Yeah. There's a lot of us that are... Have problems. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, marijuana has been extremely positive. The the, the benefits are... Uh, there's just no denying that anymore. Yeah. And I think that's just going to be compounded with these other, you know, other substances as hopefully our generation leads the way. Like, hey, we're all fucked up and this helps, so leave us alone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Just, you know, I don't know, anytime, like, it's just a, a most extreme version of, like, the human condition that we all experience, you know? Right like, on. I don't know, dude, that, I think it would be insulting to you to call it PTSD, but, like, after the guy fucking broke into my house, it changed my brain. It is, you know? absolutely. No, it's the same. Yeah. And having that... It's not insulting at all. Things that were, uh, you know, adapted for you folks <laughs> available to me was very helpful. The duration and the long the length of time may be a little different, but I think the chemistry is exactly the same. And I, I, I looked it up, man. I, I, I spent some time with my notes. There's a military. I don't know who it is, but there's somewhere, somebody that they have changed their, like, combat arms. So your infantry, uh, you know, your troops that see combat, you cannot go right into that in the military, like where you would have to serve maybe a two, three, four-year term as truck driver, cook, whatever. And then if you want to re-enlist and join the infantry at maybe age 25, then yeah. you can do that. Ease into the... Not 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was thinking about that just as we were talking of like, I don't know, dude, the, like the, Brain the moral decision of going to war and then like everything, like... I feel like we might, we probably just can't really grasp our head around all of it, period. But, like, I would feel so much more comfortable making a decision like that when I was, like, 50. Exactly. You know? Yeah, but, like, but, you mean, can't do much war at that point. Obviously, but. the argument would be, <clears throat> excuse me, the argument would be that, you know, people are more likely to make reckless decisions, mm -hmm. which going into combat is. Yeah, like I even think of myself, you know, 25 to 28, I was way less likely to fight than I was at 18 to 20. Absolutely. So I wonder uh, when it comes to whatever nation you're speaking of, I don't know. I wonder if they have the same penchant for violence that we have. If I can ever find it, I'll pass it your way for sure. But I'm afraid it was like a conversation in a podcast and yeah. I'm never going to find it. But whatever military it was, I can guarantee you it wasn't as large and active <laughs> as the United States is. Uh, yeah, it's not no, good I, for business. I, yeah, we're, we're shouldering a lot of the load and things like uh, 
let's wait until they're 25 and have seen combat before for them to go in infantry is yeah. not really what we're built to do, which is for yeah. bad. So do you still do like uh, National Guard stuff? Absolutely not. Oh, no. okay. No. All right. <laughs> no. 2008. I was out in 2008. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there was like a reservist yeah. element to it. No. They, uh, they technically have you for like eight years, I think, on a six-year contract. So, but yeah, I did six and a half exactly. The stop-loss thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. That happened in that time frame where my orders in 07 were for 450 days but I only had like 300 days on my contract. Well, you're going to now go for this entire contract. So technically I did like six and a half years on the six year, but no, I'm definitely out, but I do, you know, I do keep in touch. Um, we have a, we have an annual, we get together, um, once a, once a year in the summer, um, the last unit. Yeah. We, uh, being national guards got its, you know, perks because we are pretty close Texas, Oklahoma area. And, uh, Went to a lot of funerals, unfortunately, you know, so at the, like the fourth one, we were like, let's get together, not on these terms. And we've made it an annual thing and we're about four years into that now. So that's nice. pretty awesome. Yeah. So what, what was your experience with the shot thing? Did, do you feel like it did? Cause I, you sent me a link about it and I'm reading it and I'm like, this is great. You know, like, Dude, <laughs> you know, there's so many people, it's one of those things where there's so many people that do multiples and I just didn't have it in me to do multiple because I'm pretty claustrophobic, you know, and having... Cause I don't think you were, I think we were like in the twilight state, you know, and the shot in the neck, it was just, it was not a great experience. I just didn't feel, you know, didn't feel comfortable having a, you're <laughs> a not needle like, in my You're neck. not like under? No, I wasn't totally under. Yeah, that's the thing. It was like a twilight type surgery. So like, okay. if I was under, maybe I could have gone back for another one. But yeah, I was like so, you know, it was so interesting. And the reason I sent that to you, though, is because there's so many people, like your example, there's a ton of PTSD outside of combat that they've, you know, branched that out over to. So it definitely works for some people, you know, just not a... Did you feel like it did something or pretty much not? I thought, you know, it possibly helped me sleep a little bit mm -hmm. at first, but I think that just, I think it just kind of fades over time, you know, because I've always been a very, uh, like, abrupt, wake up abruptly. I don't have a problem going to sleep, but slightest noise, and then when you're awake, you're up for you know, startled awake and you're up for a minute, those kind of things. I mean, that's still to this day an issue. So obviously didn't do enough. Yeah. What, what is the, I, I would just love to hear as much as you want to tell us about how the PTSD presents in your life, you know, like what, you know, I, you, in the email, you said that like you're going out for a study now. So I, I, presume that it still presents in your life today absolutely yeah um but then also you know like the so the, the darkest T, times the tms so kind of like what i said the trans cranial magnetic stimulation is a is a therapy that i haven't done but it's uh more in the lines of like rewiring the brain i would say and i'm not i'm not didn't qualify for the study but i am going to have the service through a civilian provider i'm just dealing with the va they're talking the cool. referral i'm in the referral process so any day now should start that up and maybe in about three months, I can tell you what that's been like. But what is uh, what's the overview? I would say uh, you put on like a put on like a skull cap for like a fifteen minute uh, session, and they basically just magnetic send pulses into your this lobe right here, front one of the frontal lobes. It's what they think is affected by PTSD and trauma and all those things. They're trying to attack that area with some magnetic waves and hopes to 
rewire, you know, because that's what they think that like even the training. I mean, they think that like military training and the uh, damages your you, you're rewiring the changes. brain. Yeah, I mean, you're re rewiring the brain. I mean, just yeah. like the you know, like the firework incident. I mean, it was a little bit second, but then you go right into your job. I mean, the quickness that you can like you know rounds come at you and then you turn around and do your job the other way it's just like it sometimes it's that scary too you know the uh the costner movie where he was um where he was a pitcher and he said the mechanism engaged the mechanism if you yeah. know what i'm talking about the love of the game that's the one and uh that engaged the mechanism i i've compared that too i've said like i was definitely in a firefight one time where it just felt like i was just like i'm just looking there and that's all i see and nothing else, like there was nothing else. I mean, I'm just, I'm doing one thing, one thing only, like I had nothing around me whatsoever. <laughs> so, yeah. Just really feel like I've had a pussy ass life. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I do, but, <laughs> but I also <laughs> appreciate your empathy. Back that, to PTSD, I never did answer your question, you. TC. I yeah, never yeah, did yeah. answer your How question. And like the daily, the daily effects is like, have you ever felt you don't like you're somewhere you don't belong or you need to be somewhere else like that constant anxiety of like i gotta get out of here i need to be going i need to be doing something else going somewhere else mm -hmm. that's a good example not necessarily that literally but just that feeling like this isn't where i need to be or this isn't if that makes sense that yeah. would be a, that would be a daily you know and that's anxiety i mean yeah. that's really all that is is just you know an anxious you know anxious mind i guess so yeah, I don't know. I I always like with my own drug use. I I have sort of like a constant debate with myself about like there's definitely a part of me that's like you're not medicating anything. You're overthinking this. You do it because it's fun. Like it is fucking fun. Mm -hmm. You know. Like I whenever I'm fucking high, it's not like I'm like crying over the difficult things that have happened in my life. I'm having a good time. Yeah. And like, who doesn't like having a good time? Uh, but then there is a part of me that's like, you kind of zoom out and you see this larger pattern of like, you know, you're, you're trying to get out of, you're trying to escape, you know, like you're, you're going to this part, like so much that there's gotta be a reason more than just like, it's fun, you know, oh, like yeah. you're trying to fix a problem here, you know? And I, I just, I don't know. I, I guess probably both have some points to make, but I just, I don't know. Do you, do you ever have... That wonder of your within yourself. Uh, absolutely, definitely. I think the um, it goes back to the balance. I mean, I said you know I'm not. I don't believe in abstinence. You know, I'm definitely. I will partake. Um, but any one any one thing of anything is bad. I mean, you don't go to the gym every day. You know, you can't work every day. Uh, you know, too much video games, sports, TV. I mean, it could. You know, you can fat. You could apply those logics to multiple things. But what you said is. It makes you feel you feel better if it's alleviating something else i feel like that's a benefit i mean uh if it's stupid and it works it's not stupid you know that's something yeah that's something that you know when, when you have to adapt and overcome i mean that everything doesn't fit in the box i mean i still don't feel like i've had that light bulb moment to be honest with you i mean i don't feel you know i don't feel like it's just a, a switch that's flipped it's it's a constant every day and you know fight the fight or you know the giving up i mean the giving up is is not an you know you don't want that alternative i don't think anybody wants that so what's uh what's your opinion of the va they've improved a lot um i was definitely like i said uh 10 you know eight eight to ten maybe eight to twelve it was you know questionable 
Um, but there's just, I mean, I think they've had to adapt by, they, they have had no choice but to adapt. Yeah. In my opinion, there's just so many of us. Um, and they're actually, you know, they're doing, they're doing a good job. I mean, that's, I, I feel like anybody that argues with me about socialism, I like to use that as an example. I mean, it works pretty well for me. So, yeah. Uh, um, what, like, I don't, it sounds like you have a very positive opinion of, uh, therapy and the smart program. Absolutely. I just, you know, what, what stuff has been the most effect? Like, you know, I mean, you say you're still dealing with it some, uh, but like, it sounds like you're not dealing with it as much as you were, you know, 10 years ago. Absolutely. What yeah. are, you know, what's been the big difference makers? I would say that balance, you know, like I said, um, I, I, I gotta get it. I gotta get the right amount of sunshine. I gotta get the right amount of exercise. Sleep. Sleep is big. Um, you know, sometimes I do two groups. I got, I got a veteran group and, and I got a smart group, you know, and then I got an individual therapist, uh, you know, so it's, not all the time, not all at once, obviously, but, um, you know, a rotation, uh, of those three, um, some people may not need, you know, may not need all that. And I think that's where I kind of got hung up. I, I lived in these cycles for a lot of years. You know, I've took some leave of absence. I've been, you know, had a, had a, a rehab stint at the VA hospital as well. Um, yeah. You mentioned that yeah. in the email. I definitely wanted to hear more about that, but Absolutely. I, I, I know to interrupt your answer. Yeah, no, um, I, I have gone through these periods of time where, like I said, the grind, you know, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm taking care of everybody but myself. I don't go to therapy. I don't go to my group, stop working out, eating like shit. And then I just have these cycles and I've gone through that probably three times. And, you know, as of October uh, of last year, I'm stay at home dad now, you know, so um, just, just different, you know, different life changes. I mean, I was unable to do it with a job and a career up to this point. So taking a little life change, you know, so the last six or eight months have looked a little bit different for me and that's helped a lot. That's great. Absolutely. Thank you. So yeah, what, what was, what was the certain, you know, like what made you feel like you, you said it was like 70 days. Yeah. So in uh, 2020, I mean, it really wasn't pandemic related. I mean, it was just one of those cycles at the bottom point of one of those cycles. And uh, I knew of a friend that had gone through a program and it's basically, it's a rehab hospital up in bottom Texas. And, I think there's like 200 beds and out of those 200 beds, there were like 15 of us in there for a PTSD program. And it was 70 days. I mean, it was basically, you know, a rehab hospital. I mean, I was there single, you know, by myself in a room, full day schedule of different therapies. Um, yoga. All, what's that? Yoga. Yeah, no yoga. Uh, but we did. No, we didn't do yoga. But we always, yeah, we had, uh, we had, um, there was a wreck day. We had to like play basketball, play frisbee golf. We had to walk so many laps. Like there was a wreck. There was a wreck time. Um, but smart. So there was NA, AA, and smart. And we, there were six meetings a, uh, a week. They had uh, every every day. I think in ANA, man, I had two a day even. And it was required of us to go to three a week. So I found smart, and it's all peer led. So you had another person in the program leading the class. And it's not necessarily a class. SMART's made up of tools. SMART stands for self-management and recovery training. And like I said, it's more about building and maintaining motivation, you know, living that balanced life. And it just it resonated with me. Got out of there. I did 70 days and just got right back into it, man. Really? I, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, we were still, like, dealing with the COVID group and therapy so everything was virtual i'm not really big on that um you know just fell right back in the same rut so you know i do 70 days inside two years later you're like right back in the same spot so 
difference between now and then is, you know, I'm in a couple different groups that I didn't have then and life work balance change and a little different outlook. So it's worked out for, you know, six months now. So fingers crossed. Thank you. Um, you ever, uh, heard about the book, the body keeps the score? I don't think so. It's just about a lot. The, it's a guy, the guy writing it, um, Worked at like a VA hospital in Boston in the 70s, I think is where he started. It might have been 80s. But mm-hmm. He was seeing Vietnam guys. Okay. Like It was kind of like the first, it was like he was, uh, he was on the like front part of like saying PTSD is a thing. Right. And like trying to fit, like, you know, being like these guys, their lives are totally lost. Like, is there anything we can do yeah. so that they aren't just fucking gone? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I, I'm just interested. Like it's a it's a somewhat controversial book. I think a lot of people, the experts, like uh, you know, have some real questions about like parts about the guy personally. I think like got dismissed from oh wow like a hospital because he was kind of a bad boss. I don't know. I don't mean to denigrate his good name, but I, I don't know. Wow. Uh, but there are also people who are like. This is so fast that it has saved me. You know, like it's had a giant impact on my life. I, it's it happens to be uh, I, it's right next to you over there. I oh, didn't do that them. intentionally. That's fine. So you can see that I'm not uh, that far into it. But <laughs> Part of uh, mine. Um, you know, it's an interesting book. Absolutely. But yeah, thanks. if you'd heard of it, I it seems like the kind of, like I I feel I I was under the impression that VA hospital would probably just be like giving it out left and right. That sounds like something they might need to consider. Yeah, I, I tell you one thing. I'm I'm. There's a couple of them around here. There's one right up Greenville Road and Royal, maybe, and then I'm active in the one in Mesquite is the Vet Center. So I don't even have to go to the actual VA hospital for like my groups and my individual therapy. These vet centers were established after the Vietnam War. Um, and it used to be just combat veterans. You had to be like, that was the only requirement was just be a combat veteran. And then they've opened that up, you know, to all veterans here recently, but yeah, they're totally free. I mean, it's part of the VA system, but yeah, I'm there almost weekly for one or the other, you know, every Monday is is our, you know, OIF, OEF group. And then Vietnam guys are on Thursday. So I just, you know, I, I knew some Vietnam vets growing up also, you know, contributing. I knew I wanted to be in the army. It's something I wanted to do. But like in the last five or ten years, you know, my buddies are like, we can't be like those guys, you know. Yeah. Like we we remember that when we were kids on the neighborhood, you know, like those yeah. guys were there was something there, and we don't want to be like that. So yeah, we're we're at least talking about it now. Yeah, it's, it's a, awesome. It's a beautiful part of the human experience, like the way that we are constantly improving and you know, like right trying to learn and change. And you know, I mean, I don't know. It's, that's the human spirit as much as anything, I think, is just the, uh, a, a dedication to attempting to improve. 100%. Uh, and like, you know, uh, yeah, we're doing so much better than Vietnam and so much better than World War II. Uh, I watched uh, the movie the, the Devil All the Time. It's on Netflix. I watched it this weekend. It's the most fucked up movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And they it's just a book, have right? It. I think so, yeah. They just have it on Netflix. I'm like, this is not safe. Yeah, for, for huh. the people of America. But it's it's the guy coming back from World War II that saw some shit. Yeah, and then did some shit, and wow. his whole fucking family's fucked up. You know, like then there these fucked up people encounter more fucked up people, and I don't know, dude. You just you see how it all works. Like, I it's it's just great. Like your experience, you know, of like. Being able to reach a point where, like, it sounds like you're an excellent father to your daughters, you know, like, that's fucking great, you know, like, and just, 
I don't think that that happened a lot in the, the <laughs> 50s. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, we got to break these cycles in every way possible, in my opinion. So yeah. hopefully talking about it helps. I mean, it's, you know, it's cathartic. I mean, I said that in the message, too. I mean, I went a long time. I didn't talk about it, you know, for a while. There was a period of time, you know. I was adamant against the groups. I thought I thought groups were just, you know, the fight club scene. I thought that yeah. was what a yeah. group therapy was. And, you know, it's not at all like that. I mean, everybody needs, you know, part of that balance is some kind of community, you know, whatever that may be, you know. And that's just fear, right? Like hating the groups. Like I, I, I fully fucking get that, you know. And it, But it's like you don't want to acknowledge, like you're so, you're terrified of like seeing the, or I guess I should ask, is this your experience that you are, that you feel like it, if you if you're seeing the full scale of the problem and it's something that's so big that requires something like that then like whereas if you can just kind of sort of push it off and be like it's not that big a deal like you know i i can make it i think that's been my downfall you know in all honesty those cycles you know every time i've tried to push it off and say i got it now or i don't need to do that anymore it's not worked out real well for me so you know maybe but wouldn't it's, it be just great <laughs> yeah you know if also you sometimes sometimes people in groups suck yeah 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 You're yeah so not just, a, in my just, experience like such a big fucking difference there's between some bad ones yeah the good ones and the ones. bad ones the good ones are fucking great the bad ones, you might as well like. The, you're healthier if you're just like at a bar. Yeah, <laughs> there's equal benefit. I don't know if that's true. There's equal yeah. benefit. I'm sorry. There's been produ- as productive conversations as one versus the other, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your time, man. I really Very appreciate inspiring. the uh, sharing the chair with McAfee here. So you know, <laughs> you know the Wikipedia guest list. I'll put be under Binion, I guess. So <laughs> he'd be proud. Thank you guys. All right, brother. Appreciate it. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next. So until tomorrow, for everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.